Hello, my name is Dylan, and this is the Heroes of Reality podcast, a place where I interview heroes of reality, of life, science, technology, and more, and I share the stories, lessons, journeys, inspiring you to be the hero of your reality. And on this podcast, I interviewed C.K. Lin. He is the host of the Noble Warrior podcast. He is also a life coach. Uh, he works with elite executive co- um, leaders, and he works with them on the process of integrating both tactics and strategies for cultural integration. So um, that is where uh, he works with them to kind of break down their own personal culture and cultures and companies and how to integrate that in. He talks about using words as almost kind of a process for software hacking or more or less programming the mind. And so he talks about the, the different levels of speaking and languages from things that happen to you, for you, and through you, and then because of you. And it's a really awesome podcast. We talk about ta- strategies and tips and things around you know leveling up your avatars and you know what does it look like to actually to, to raise up these avatars. So without any further ado, I present my friend CK Lin. Hey CK, thanks for joining me, man. You're welcome. Happy to be here. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate it. Um, you were actually, you know, one of the guys that inspired me to create my own podcast. Mm, thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's been a fun journey. I'm glad I can play a role in you starting your podcast. Yeah, brother, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why I actually wanted to have you on is because I think you've gone through your own personal, like, hero's journey um, as you've, like, you know, gone through leveled up and development and... Um, I, I would love to talk with you a little bit about kind of um, how you got from where you were to, because you were the head of culture at one point, correct? I was. Yeah. Um, to, to me, I think culture is a super interesting topic. Um, and, and, I, and I'd be really curious about like how you found yourself um, to be a part of the head of culture. And was it, did you, did you have an ambition to hit that, that kind of position or was that something that just, you just kind of fell into? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of both. I would say I really enjoy, I seek out transformational moments. Mm -hmm. And the part where I fell into is I was being of service to an acquaintance of mine. Mm And I show him some of my mental models, frameworks, and as a way to really help him and guide him finding his own purpose, his own core values, and having clarity of the opportunity that's aligned with his purpose and his values. And as he developed his um, his uh, his company, mm-hmm. he said, "Why don't I make this available to the rest of my team?" And at that point, it was roughly about 15, 20 people-ish, mm-hmm. right? And he brought me in wanting to share more of those transformational moments. And for the sake of um, understanding, for the sake of people understand what is it that I do, he said culture. So That's cool. Yeah, it, that, that's what we landed on. God, it's an encompassing term. But really, I mean, I mean, one of the most powerful things any leader could do is help his people raise up and, and you know, give them the ability to transform themselves, which is a, a super powerful gift. For sure. I mean, that was the intention. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, we went through several iterations of how we go about doing it. In the very beginning, it was very much an engineering approach. Mm. Let's engineer the frameworks and put on the drywalls, put on the paintings, and put in the artifacts. Very much top down. Yeah. And what we realized in the way that we roll it out,、um, it wasn't well received、uh, from a pure engineering point of view.、Mm-hmm. Because the egoic minds want、um, consensus, wants to be heard, wants nothing but opting in rather than being imposed upon. What is it that they should do? So, so we had to, you know, it was part of our own learning as well. Part of it is top down, but part of it is bottom up. So by the time that I left, it was we treated more as a Organic gardening, right? We want to enculturate a rich ecosystem、mm-hmm. rather than just a top-down rules, rules-based, founders-based type culture. Got it. So that makes a ton of sense. You're saying that the it, forcing somebody to transform isn't an actual transformation, but really, you know, showing them the path of what's possible. You know, you can really allow them to, you know. Here's the door. It's your choice whether or not you want to walk through it,、um, whether or not, because otherwise there's no、yeah. nothing lasts. For sure.、Um, here's my current iteration. The way I look at culture,、mm-hmm. part of it is you want that framework, right? Because otherwise, if you don't have that framework, then it's very easy to go down to the path of a, a opportunistic, like wh- whichever has the biggest revenue and profit. Let's do that thing, right? But If you、uh, are approaching it from an opportunistic point of view, then、uh, then you're just chasing a shadow.、Mm. Uh, at the same time, if you make it too optional, too organic, then everyone is going to bring their own value system. At by by the end, you'll have nothing but the lowest common denominator, which is. Happy hours and 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 luncheons and really boring, really mediocre, really lazy、um, way of enriching your culture. So you do need both. You do need the top down, also the bottom up as well. It's it's such a dance of that of the the guiding the being being willing to let them kind of be free enough to to you know inspire themselves. That's right. Ooh. That's, that's, and and I would also say too, any founders that's listening to this right now,、uh, there's also an evolution of what is、uh, what is the right thing to do, giving the、um, the stage of your、uh, company as well. In the beginning, it needs to be very top down, right? Navy SEAL、uh, Team Six. Type of approach because you want everyone there to do a specific job.、Mm-hmm. But as the company grow from ten to fifty to a hundred to hundred fifty to two hundred, every every point is a pivotal point. So you wanted from the very top down to then now giving them more and more leeway to. Uh, to create what is it that they want to create、uh, using your company as a platform. So my current iteration right now is let's actually just give them a bunch of different tools, and they can pick and choose what 
uh, would serve them. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, that comes from a place of we already have a, a, a rich ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? I can't top down and say, hey, this thing is going to benefit the entire company per se. You just give them tools so they can opt in and pick and choose what's going to empower them to live a life that's uh, aligned with their mission, purpose, and values. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you think that there's a, um, like some sort of corollary with that? If you look at like a business as a, as an entity and you look at a person as an entity, how sometimes, you know, uh, when you start out, you need to start out. So with the business, you're talking about Navy SEAL approach, do this, and then kind of build it to where you have tools and frameworks along the way. Do you think that there's, is there similarities with, with humans transformation and the growth on an, on an individual basis as well? Yeah, I would say so. Um, one of the beautiful phrase that I repeat over and over again, uh, I learned from Nicole Braffer, who is the founder, one of the founders of the Transformative Tech Conference, TTC. Mm-hmm. She said, we make what we are. So anything that happens within a company cannot extend further than the consciousness of the founders. So if the founders coming into this thing, creating this thing, have the perspective, the, the mindset that uh, everyone's lazy, let me tell them what to do to drive them versus everyone is there to contribute towards the common wealth, towards the common purpose of the company, then you're gonna have a very different uh, actionable tactic, or very, very different um, operation, very different implementation in mm. terms of hiring in terms of perks in terms of or, or the consequence right onboarding offboarding uh raises or demotions or ultimately firing as well so just uh, the point i'm making here is more and more i study this more and more i see that if the founder have a huge blind spot that he or she can't see or don't see mm-hmm. or don't want to touch right it's like something that they avoid yeah then that's going to manifest that's going to show up in the company sense they'll they'll you'll smell it you'll feel it it'll be that the the big unspoken elephant in the room kind of thing right and and they would try to solve it from the company points of view but ultimately they will soon realize that until they themselves shift the way they think about it this manifestation this expression in the company won't get shifted. Totally. Yeah, so you're saying that almost the, 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 the business is almost a manifestation of the mindset of the entrepreneur and you right. cannot, you can't level past the mindset of the entrepreneur. He is the maximum of the ceiling. You know, it's like not like. That's, that's what I've observed so far. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see a company, let's say with the founders whose mindset is all about profit, you know, seeking. Mm-hmm just maximize profit and then the the company is very you know sustainably sustainability driven you know people (laughs) first driven i just yet to see that i've I've never seen that i can't think of one version of that at all the um it does remind me that there was like this i forget it was sapiens or in some in some situation there was um there was like all these like dominant monkeys that were all hanging out in a group together. They're all very like alpha chimpanzees and they would they, they would eat all the food, right? Um, and they'd eat all the best food and they're around the uh, um, a bunch of humans. 
And what happened was, you know, they get the cr- first crack at all the good food. So they went out and they went and ate the food and it was poisonous. And so then that mm. batch died off. Um, and then what happened was all like the, the beta, calm, cool monkeys that all worked together were actually the only ones left standing. And so they mm-hmm. actually created a culture where it was everyone be cool, everyone be peaceful and stuff. And that lasted for several generations because new monkeys would come in, try to do the crazy alpha monkey thing, and they would get shut down hard because of the culture. And so it's very much yep. like the unless you make air in a room for that kind of behavior, um, that, that dominant force will, will, will shut it down quickly. So, Absolutely. I mean, we see so many different um, examples of this, whether if you look at our society, all right, our family unit, just mm -hmm. looking at that single unit as an example, we all come in with certain beliefs that's passed down from our uh, environment. Mm -hmm. So intergenerational beliefs, right? And then two family coming together and they either will have alignment or misalignment or, you know, friction or fights based off that, trying to get you know, the, the, the alignment with it. Mm-hmm. And then, then, then you see it perpetuate passing down to their children, the progeny to the next generations. Right. So similarly, um, the business unit is the same. Yeah. It's just a, it's a quicker, um, perpetuation evolutionary cycle of development, mm-hmm. right? The generations happen a lot quicker. Right. What do you think? I mean, what would you recommend for if there's, if there are, you know, entrepreneurs or people listening that say, how do you, how, do you, how would they go about uncovering their blind spots, their, their things that they don't realize are actually holding them back from where they need to go? So I'll speak from a personal point of view and then environmental point of view and then go further. Okay. okay. From a personal point of view, I would say this, anytime that you experience kind of grappling from within any kind of negative emotions, those are really key moments for you to evaluate. Certain things, values are being triggered that mm-hmm. is not aligning with your value. And then you can use that as an opportunity to reflect, to say, oh, okay, so I feel this way. What about it within me that's being triggered? Mm-hmm. Then I can look at opportunities to either reconcile that or being okay with that, right? So that's on the personal level. On the uh, collective level, then you have uh, friends, trusted friends or advisors, uh, then who can also mirror back to you. Hey, this is what's going on. And whether you choose it to listen or not, that's that's up to you, of course, the individual. And then you can also have a separate group of people who are like therapists, advisors, coaches, mentors, um, who can, you know, who you trust to give you that honest feedback to you. And I think ultimately it's, it's up to you to discern what is ultimately being said, because they may say certain things based on their level of consciousness, based on their worldview. You have to, you get to, now you have to, you get to <laughs> dig deeper, what's actually being communicated. What's the root cause? of what they're actually communicating to you, what they're actually saying to you in between the lines. Because oftentimes, so I recall a lot of my conversations with mentors, advisors, coaches, mm-hmm. things like that. And I'll always go back and listen to those recordings again as a way to like really, because in the moment, I just hear the surface words. But when I have a little bit more 
quiet, a little bit more distance, and then I can do my best to hear what's being said in between the lines. Oh, that's, I mean, that takes a certain level of discipline and dedication, which is, which is awesome. Do you, do you have a framework for scheduling things like that? Do you have a natural um, uh, like, like system? Because what I'll do is I'll sometimes gather a bunch of things like that, but I won't go back and review it. Is there a, yeah. you have a system for that? Yeah. Um, I wish I have a systematic, you know, framework approach to, you know, to, to share with you. I think an easier way to think about it would be, hey, let me dedicate an hour a week or two hour a week or whatever time is needed mm-hmm. um, to reflect back on what actually transpired over the week, right? So that's how I start. Uh, that's how I started by having a dedicated time per week to do it. Then the more I, um, uh, the more insights that I receive, then the more frequent I'll do it. So these days I actually do daily. If I have something that I think about and I look for um, certain things that I'm trying to uh, have some insights about, some clarity about, then I'll go back to listen and pull out some data points the the recording to see what's actually being said between the, the lines so going back to your earlier point about um discovering blind spots mm-hmm. so those are ways that i do it so reflection mm-hmm. seeking honest feedback from advisors friends coaches you know therapists or whatever right <clears throat> and i also actively put myself in a place where I'll feel the discomfort. And most of the time it's the physical discomfort, whether it be, uh, what do you call that? Sauna mm. or ice bath or physical challenges, boxing or Spartan race or you know ayahuasca or things like that as a way to just put myself in a place where I'm extremely uncom- uh, uncomfortable and use those moments as a way to uh, show me, you know, what I haven't seen before. That's interesting. Yeah, that 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 sitting in uncomfortability. The um, is that something that you've had like a, with the? Is that something that you had that you discovered as a kid, or at what point were you becoming aware? Because. It, it, if I were to, if, like, since I've known you, CK, I, I'd say, like, if I did like, give you a character, it's growth. Like, you're very f- growth-focused, which I, which I admire. But um, did you have, like, a moment when you were a kid or something like that, that that motivated you to, to want to focus in on this and hone this out? Or how, how, did you, how did you come to be so focused up on this? Yeah, really excellent question. I wish I have a clean-cut answer for you. It's just part of who I am, really. <laughs> Right. I think uh, in the beginning, as a child, I would experience something that I didn't like and I want to change it. So, for example, uh, I think I was I was I've always been really book smart. Mm -hmm. So I took that for granted. Mm -hmm. By third and fourth grade, when they started teaching multiplication, where you have multiply and division, multiplication and division, mm-hmm. prioritize more than, let's say, um, addition and subtraction, right? Mm-hmm. So I totally missed that key distinction altogether. I was so cocky, so arrogant. Uh-huh. 
So I missed that lesson altogether. And I went from straight A's to like straight C's. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Did I become stupid no. overnight or what? <laughs> so that really uh, humbled me and mm -hmm. then started me on the path of seeking knowledge. And then that just puts me on the path to just become uh, extremely informed or, or knowledgeable or anything that I can get my uh, hands on. And then, uh, and then, so I can keep going on, you know, on and on and on in the different stages of my own growth. Uh -huh. But I think that planted a seed of uh, seeking knowledge. And going back to my earlier point, right? I encounter a, uh, a negative emotion. I encounter um, an, uh, a negative, shall we say, friction to mm -hmm. my, how I perceive myself, which is smart. I'm smart mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, the evidence in the world shows me that well you're not yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. then that gets me going in this in the in the knowledge seeking realm and as i encounter different challenges in my life whether it be relationships whether it be an entrepreneurship whether it be uh, uh in love in communication i just you know started to seek out more and more like what are the the things that have been said before in books, in, um, in, in, in training with other people's perspective and experience and so forth. Does that answer your question? It does actually. Yeah. Cause that was actually the core moment and it sounds like, yeah, you, you got, you know, you had an identity as a child, it hits you and you're like, I don't like this feeling. So I'm going to change it. So you learn that pattern. Cause a lot of times we don't learn those patterns. You don't sometimes, cause you could feel that feeling and go, well, I, I'm just, I'm just dumb. I'm just going to always be, and you just, you had, you had a choice at that, at that thing. And that you, by getting that belief, you've been able to kind of progress past that, which is, it almost becomes a, a, a positive addiction, for lack of a better sense, of being able to get you to kind of move in that direction, which is fun because, you know, I think we both relate on that front of, you know, trying to reflect inwards and grow, grow outwards where we can. Um, so what do you think in terms of... So, so let me actually okay. say, say, so that was back then, yeah. right? So I'm 40 years old right now, and then reflecting back now, the through line is seeking of wisdom. I didn't have words for that. Mm. I didn't know what that is. But looking back, that's exactly what I've been seeking. See, which is more, in, in the beginning was knowledge, and then was like practical ways to build a business, then it's um, human relations, then it's, self-mastery from within like the spiritual realm and all these things but the through line so the topics may differ but the through line is seeking wisdom it's not only seeking i mean seeking wisdom is i feel like and you know correct me if i'm wrong here but um seeking wisdom is all around the, the gathering of knowledge and and but it, there's 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 this application phase being able to it's one thing to gather a bunch of data but it's another to actually integrate it apply it live it then be it right which i feel like mm -hmm. there's a big chasm there like for example like philosophy like um nowadays we, we have like a connotation of philosophy where it's like oh oh i know about descartes and you know uh, socrates and plato and, and i know these things but real philosophers back in the days were ones that lived it right you know you know stoic philosophy was a it was a lived thing it wasn't something that was just learned so i mean i mean so i mean is there a difference when because when you say the word wisdom i think of mostly learned it not actual applications versus yeah 
Yeah, this this is where now we get into the semantics, right? <laughs> and, and and I would say this, I agree with you 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning of my learning journey, it was more about just collection of factoids. So I can recite back to you what you should do or what I should do, given a situation. But having gone through uh, multiple uh, hero's journey, mm-hmm. right? facing my own shadow, facing my own uh, dark night of the soul moments. Um, I so appreciate the word wisdom because wisdom to me is embodied knowledge. Mm. You can actually, I can actually live it from an experiential point of view, not just on the intellectual cerebral point of view. Um, and, and how I will articulate today is truth my own truth wisdom ultimately is my own truth and no one else's truth i'm not trying to impose my truth on you it's just how do i get closer and closer to my own truth to express it and actually have you to think um to really encourage me to uh do my own podcast because you're actually one of the catalysts to 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 be more uh public about my philosophical inquiry of what it means to be a human being right so having, having done podcasts for 70 episodes or so, mm-hmm. I get more and more comfortable speaking my truth and, and delineating and clarifying and communicating what my truth is. That is such a difficult task like that, that um, well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how like, you know, friends, we, we mirror to each other, we learn from each other, and then, which, is, which is beautiful, right? Um, but that whole thought process of taking something like a, a, a deeply private thing and, and communicating it as public as possible is, uh, is, a, is one of those, those growth moments, right? Taking those things that like you know, finding your voice. I've, I've recently, I've gotten into that, that Smule app, which is that dual karaoke app, right? And so being super nervous to have anybody hear my voice because I am by no means a talented singer, but I love to do it, and it's fun to do. So it's been a, it's been an amazing experience to just go out there and do it. And I've been I've been doing it as I as I walk past people on the street, just singing with headphones on. And I got to tell you that it, it, people find that to be very uncomfortable. Some people smile and they enjoy it, and other people have their heads down. You can tell that not, people. Not, it's weird that we have a thing where we don't feel it's acceptable for us to communicate our own voice, right? It's a weird thing that like, we all, we all know that we're humans and we're flawed and we have these different things, but like, but we're all super uncomfortable, like singing or writing down our feelings or crying on camera. These are all things that we know everybody does, but we're, we're terrified of it. And it's such a, it's such a, uh, and you know, some people are gotten past that, right? And they've, they've, they've acclimated into those waters, but I feel like, like one of the ways to get people to open up and feel more alive is to take that thing that they fear. Like you're talking about, you're talking about like your hero's journey of like the struggles you've been through and, and finding unique ways that you can, you can go out there and, 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 and express yourself in a way that uh, is risky, but it makes you come alive in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
do you so i'm so glad i stumble upon podcast yeah man do you but i was gonna ask you so that's what i do for that kind of activity to kind of get that out there to get my voice out there things like that do you have mm-hmm. anything that you do on a regular basis like is this podcast is the main place that you do to communicate your voice and get your thoughts out there into the world or is there other means that you that you find to also be some sort of helpful experience for you um, there's so many different ways. So I try many different things, mm-hmm. um, become competent, or you know, depends on the level of competency that that you know that that you will measure. From public speaking to singing to um, podcasting to videos to interviewing people to make a, a thing that I have in my mind, right? Blogging or something like that, newsletter writing, all these things. Uh, being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is another. So, but there is no one thing. What I actually would say is this. <clears throat> I would try a lot of different things, but what I keep is what makes me come alive as I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Boxing is a great example. I totally don't like boxing, but I'll continue to do it. I totally don't, I hate physical activities, but I will continue to do it. Um, but um, podcasting is just something that I naturally do anyway, day in and day out. You know, even the camera's off, you know, this is how I speak. I'm not any different, right? Mm-hmm. The philosophical inquiry, the the, the follow up conversations, to the inquire uh, about each other's truth. That's just what I naturally do. So, hence why podcast is something that I'm deeply committed to. But regarding trying new things, that's part of who I am. I like love peak experiences, mm-hmm. and I think stepping outside of one's comfort zone, whether it be public speaking or performing or uh, being a conductor. Or acquire things like that. It's uh, it's deeply satisfying. Mm. That's the word. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, because you're talking about. So try a bunch of stuff. Um, things that suck, but things that also make you come alive. Mm. Hold on to because it, it'll feel good. What do you do with? One thing I'm always curious with is I'm very fascinated with being able to shift states. Right. Mm-hmm. So you you say uh, you hate. You love boxing, or you're, you dislike physical workout, but you get into. Um, no, no, no! I hate boxing. You hate boxing. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> hate it. Hate but it. I will continue to do it because it's 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 part of my. Uh, it, it it it's at the boundary of my discomfort. Mm. So I'll continue to do it for not the physical reason, but for the spiritual growth that I get from that. Got it. So then, so do you ever have moments like, is there, is there anything that you say, do, or some way that you, okay, you, you're like, okay, I hate doing this thing. I got to do this thing. I don't want to do this thing, but I'm going to do this thing. How do you get yourself to take that, to shift from that mind to, to, to move into that state of boxing? Yeah, I would say here's another way to look at it, right? If you think about your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're too much within your comfort zone, it's really boring. So it's, there is no challenge for us, let's say, you know, brush our teeth. It's so easy. Like, there's no block. There's no obstacles. But when something that's super overwhelming, boxing is a great example for me, when I just get pummel in my face and I hate every single second of being pummel, right? It can be very overwhelming, daunting. 
Yeah. And what happens when you're at the, when you're totally outside of your comfort zone, it's fight, fight, flight, freeze, right? As an mm-hmm. example. <clears throat> but I think the sweet spot is a little bit outside of the comfort zone. So, so you- totally you could do that. So uh, I'm going to switch analogies. As in, so let's say you continue the boxing example. Mm-hmm. I hate being pummeled, but I can be tapped by my trainer's gloves. And now it stops being so overwhelming where I just fight, fight, or freeze. I can now have different, I have more options because I'm at the edge of my comfort zone, but it's simpler, right? I think um, using another example would be, let's say if you're driving and you have this thing called the governor on where it's caps, Mm -hmm. your speed limit, uh, I'd say at 90, right? But can you do 91? you do 92 then once you get used to being at 91 or 92 then now you have more and more range more and more options mm. uh, during those moments yeah so yeah so it, it's just you're just expanding that that area of uncomfortability so that you have more wiggle room inside your own life or whenever anything else mm. comes in that sphere and it's mm. super interesting is there um have you been able, like, with the whole COVID things, have you been able to do the boxing, the saunas, all that stuff still? Have you? Well, I, I train by myself. Mm-hmm. So, really, COVID hasn't changed my lifestyles drastically, uh-huh. right? I'm an introvert by nature, so this is not something super challenging for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to, let's say, take on jiu-jitsu. That's something that I that I'm very inspired by. Mm-hmm. And I've done a little bit of jujitsu before, but um, you know, I wanted to dedicate more, uh, more physicality, more, more of that as my physical um, practice. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've, I've done some boxing, I've done some jujitsu. It definitely, I like jujitsu because I don't get punched in the face. I will say mm-hmm. I do actively avoid being punched in the face because it does, it does rock your world. It's very much so because you all of a sudden you can't think straight when you get punched in the face. Like you literally have to like a flash. I, I think so. As a as a biomedical engineer, I do know the um, the physiology, the the physical trauma it causes. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is definitely a long term cost mm. in boxing. So I wouldn't do it long term, mm-hmm. knowing what I know now. Mm-hmm. So as much as I hate it for the sake of my physical machine, I won't commit to that long-term. But I do feel that there's a lot of value, spiritual value, emotional value, intellectual value Mm -hmm. in being punched in the face. (laughs) But before I was punched in the face by very skilled trainers, you know, you Uh have this idea in your mind, like, yeah, I know exactly what I need to do. You know, it's so easy to be a, um, what they call that, a couch uh, critic, mm. right? Easy to you know, tell other people what they should do when you're when you're at the stand, but when you're in the middle of an arena, it's so much more difficult, right? So it's extremely humbling uh, to step into the boxing ring because it's nothing but you and the other person, right? So there's value there for sure, but long term, uh, it's not a good thing. So I'm gonna do jujitsu just for the sake of my my uh, my brain. Yeah. You talk a lot about um, spiritual and spiritual growth. Um, if you were to kind of paint out like a dis, like a, a skill tree of spiritual growth, right? 
What would that? What do you think something like that would look like if you go from someone who, you know, not spiritually connected at all, whatever, to um, I'm best friends with God or whatever that would look like? What does that? What do you think that progressive growth looks like? Can you unpack a uh, skill tree? What does oh, that yeah. Mean so in, in the world of uh, video games and things like that, as you get better, you have certain skills that you're looking to level up, right? So if I'm mm-hmm. in, if I do archery, shooting bows and arrows, you know, maybe, you know, level one is, you know, I learned to pick up the bow and arrow and I can shoot it, but I, you know, I, I can... I can I can't even hit the target. You know, level two I can hit the target. Level three I can hit a bullseye. Level five I can shoot three arrows in the air and pop a balloon, right? And so you have a progressive um, skill and also mindset that accompanies that skill as you level up a thing. So a skill tree in the video game terminology is is that progressive growth um, of a person's skills and development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so you wanted me to articulate if I can what the skill tree of spirituality looks like for me yeah yeah because you keep talking about your, your spiritual growth spiritual growth and being punched mm. in the face of spiritual growth and this uncomfortable thing of spiritual growth and things like that and, and i've seen people use it before you know because i want to be personally strong or personal transformations or i want to get my mindset done i'm just curious what your definition of spiritual growth is and what is what is beginner medium expert what does that look like to you interesting <clears throat> no one's ever asked me that question before hey i think Here's how I articulate it's so first of all, let me just backtrack, right? Before I answer that question. Mm-hmm. In my younger days, I would say the mind, the heart, the body, and the spirit are all in different compartments. Mm-hmm. But the more I realize we are all of that at any given point, superposition on top of each other, right? So when I uh, say spiritual growth, really, I mean also physical growth, right? Mental growth, uh, emotional growth, uh, spiritual growth. I mean, all, all interconnected. That, right? So I'm just using that interchangeably. Mm. And how I would articulate this for those of you listening here is this. In layman's term, it's, how, it's fortitude, it's resiliency, it's grit. How are you able to uh, stay in the fire? And how many degrees of fire can you, t- the temperature-wise, yeah. can you actually withstand? I think the more you want to create in the world, the more tolerance, the more capability you get to develop uh, in that. Mm. Let's use Elon Musk as an example. In the entrepreneurial world, Elon Musk is highly, highly respected, right? Mm-hmm. He's running like three or four companies at the same time, which is incredulous. And then these are not, and these are not, you know, let me make an e-commerce store. These are like transformative ideas. Yeah. So, and he's doing all four of them all at the same time. And to me, that's just, you know, huge grit, fortitude, resiliency, all of that. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's a little bit of context to answer your question. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very easy to identify oneself's thoughts and emotions as uh, oneself. I am feeling angry with you. I, C.K. Lin, like mm-hmm. spiritual being, feeling angry with Dylan, as an example. Mm-hmm. But the more I uh, learn 
or the more I put myself in difficult situations, the more I realize my thoughts are fleeting, just like waves of the ocean. It comes and goes. My feelings, my emotions are waves of the ocean. It comes and goes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I meant by spiritual growth. Um, how much can I stand and receive all of my thoughts and feelings and emotions and all of that? And at the same time, paradoxically, uh, also know that I'm not my thoughts and feelings. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, it sounds like it's what you're saying in terms of spiritual growth is almost that if, if you almost had like a, and this is not going to be a great analogy, but if you had like a, like a shallow pool of water, right? And the, and the pool of the water and the top of the water is your thoughts and feelings and the, and the, and the ground below at the base is really your true self. It, they're all, all right. they're right next to each other, right? And all then right. it seems like the more you expand outwards, it sounds like you're describing, the more you can separate yourself from your thoughts and feelings, the deeper that ocean gets, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the less you realize that your true self is the soil below or the whatever they call the bottom of the dirt at the ocean and then and the waves and things at the top. So you, you're, you're more or less, you're, you're, sounds like you're constantly expanding out, pushing away not pushing away, but getting more distance between your feelings and your thoughts and your true self, which is allowing you to realize that your true self is not your thoughts and your feelings. Is that something? So, so yes, and mm-hmm. I also want to be cognizant. This is not to say, let me just dissociate myself from my thoughts and feelings, because that doesn't work either. Because there's a certain truth that comes through you from your thoughts and your emotions. Mm-hmm. It, the idea is how can how can you how can I hold these both truths at the same time? You. So my thoughts and feelings are valid. Mm-hmm. And, you know what the sensations coming from my body they are mm-hmm. valid at the same time. I also am not my thoughts or feelings or my bodily sensations. Sure. All that, of that. Right? So yeah. So then, do you have a practice where you, I mean, you acknowledge your thoughts and feelings, but then you like you let go of them? Is that some sort of? I, I have many many different practices, and um, and this is a whole rabbit hole that we can get into. <laughs> um, so I collect. So personally, I collect great questions because mm-hmm. I deeply believe that the quality of our life comes from the quality of the questions that we ask. And I also collect lots of different tools, whether it be uh, technology tools, the external tools, or the inner tools. Mm-hmm. You know, psycho, uh, psychosomatic processes as a way to really help me discharge my emotions or my thoughts. That's pulling me down that's anchoring me down to a specific fixed way of being mm. well it sounds like the if it, it, it's to anchor back that if you have a passion and a love for wisdom and wisdom comes from questions both internal and external, it makes sense that you have cataloged in some way shape or form a list of these types of questions that allow you to reflect outwards and inwards which is super interesting yeah. yeah. So going back to your point about the skill tree, mm-hmm. I would say if that's the through line, right? If you agree with me that something you're a spiritual being living a human life, how do you make the most out of your human life? Right? If that's the direction that you want to go, the first is to recognize that you are not your thoughts, your feelings. So how do you cultivate that? I would say the easiest way to do it would be 
uh, meditation as a lot of people, right? Everyone recommends meditation. That way you can observe your thoughts and feelings as a part of you, but mm. not you, right? Yeah. And then, then you put yourself in more challenging situations. Let's say someone cuts you off or you're having an argument with your spouse or you are, you know, someone wronged you in business or, you know, some injustice happened in society. You, f- you all of a sudden feel that negative emotions show up. How quickly can you be with it? Not suppressing it, not denying it, but just be with it and such that it disappears within you, right? That's the practice. You know, then, then there are different ways that you can, different practices that you can do to get yourself there. <clears throat> if you look at my body, heart, and spirit, there's uh, practices like yoga that allows you to do it through the body. There are practices that um, that's more heart-based, right? Let's say uh, the meta. M A T T E, I think that's how it's spelled, or M E T T A, meditation, right? More from the heart, mm. and uh, my body, right? Or the mind, right? So landmark forum is an example. They use the mind approach quite a lot as a way to discharge. Or Byron Katie as an example to look at things in different directions and try on different things as a way to discharge that particular uh, negative emotion or the spirit like you know, ayahuasca, psilocybin, these type of practices. So again, different practices, different schools of thought, but ultimately it's to get you to a place where you can integrate the negative emotions that arise from within you. Sorry, negative thoughts, negative uh, emotions, negative mm-hmm. bodily sensations or negative image, right? To make it, to integrate it. So yeah, so it sounds like in order in order to uh, get past that that negative thoughts, feelings, emotions, images, you need to recognize it, accept it, bring it in, then let it go. Versus push it away in some deep dark corner and suppress it and all that stuff. And it sounds like you're attacking it from basically every angle of your being. Your you know your your body, your mind, your spirit, your thoughts, and you and you have different a multitude yeah, different and, tactics. And I would say because you use the word need to. You don't need to do anything. <laughs> what? Do you, let me ask you this question. Um, it, it, there's been a couple times uh, when I when I said need, have, get, want. It, it sounds like you're you're very particular with the language you use um, and and what you want to use. What would you recommend people to be aware of uh, words that they say throughout the day that are things that could trip them up, like like we're talking about right now. Yeah. Uh, excellent point. And w- I'm very particular about the words that I use because I believe language is a software that we use to either program others or program ourselves. Nice. So when we use words like have to, must, or need to, or get to, or, you know, things like that, just different word choices. Mm. On the surface, very like, why are you so nitpicky about this particular word? Just get my communication. Yes, and our subconscious, so there's things that we're conscious about what we're saying. So mm-hmm. what, what that person 
says, what you're saying makes conscious sense, right? But the subconscious listens to everything. So you're effectively program yourself whenever you say, I need to do this, I have to do it. Well, do you have to? You don't have to do anything, right? Because when you say you have to, it's either this outcome or the outcome would be negative, would, would be something unwanted, right? So there's that premise that's implying that the usage of that word. Got it. So, so you're shaping your reality by, by programming mm-hmm. your brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've, <clears throat> I've heard of the terminology, it was a, a neuro-linguistic programming before, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't dived yeah. too much into it, but um, I'm, I'm curious if there's, you know, those probably the master level programmers or those hypnotists, you know, verbal coders that can get into your brain. Have you looked into the hypnotism at all? Any of that stuff? Yeah, I looked into that a little bit. Uh, it doesn't quite resonate with me personally. Mm-hmm. So hence why uh, I don't particularly practice it. I practice things that actually produce an outcome within me, right? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, from a subjective reality point of view. So to your point earlier about what are some specific uh, language that mm-hmm. I watch out for. Yeah. So I, lit- I love this uh, mental model. I'll share this with you, uh, with your audience. Uh, at the lowest level is to me, things are happening to me, mm-hmm. right? And then the next level is things are happening by me. Mm. And, then, and then things are happening through me. Mm. And things are happening as me. Right? So, so there's things that are happening to me. Then there's mm-hmm. things that are happening by me. Mm-hmm. And then there's things that are happening through me, through me. and yep. then there's things that are happening for me. Sorry, I, I missed that. You're right. <clears throat> to me, uh, by me, uh-huh. for me, through me, as me. As me, Project as level. me. Yes. Okay, that's awesome. So then any of the vernacular, any words that you're using, it, they're gonna fall under one of those different arcs, right? Like. Yeah. So that's just something um, that I will listen for or, or will be cognizant about. So I, when I have to do something, I must do something. It's operating at what level? Yeah. It's yeah. operating to me or by me, right? Yep. It's got that different. It's got that different energy vibe at the bottom, right? And so it's Correct. like, bang, and you're like, yeah, let's raise that up a yeah. bit. Oh, that's super fascinating. Right. That's yeah. cool. What's like all this thing because you're and by the way uh, so for the listeners who are listening for this the context I want to paint is you know Dylan and I were not talking about spiritual woo-woo things just for the sake of it right because I'm a results-driven person and I interview hundreds of very effective entrepreneurs doers innovators leaders of the world and I'm sharing all of this from a place of if this is something that if you want to create the light that you love, the lifestyle that you just really, really enjoy, um, these are some of the, the common wisdom or common lessons that I've extracted over decades of questioning and, and inquiries with them. Yeah, well, one of the reasons why I've resonated is we, I mean, we've had lots of, um, Oh, deep conversations and wrapped about different all types of things and all different types of realities and uh, and it's been 
uh, it's been very insightful and and just uh, energetic. I always walk away with new insights and perspectives, which is awesome. What do we do this? What if, like what are you up to, Kate, uh, CK? What do you like? Uh, I mean, talk to me about what are you current? What's your current business? What are you currently doing? What do you what are you up to these days? Yeah. So my primary thing, what drives me is elevating the consciousness of leaders. That's mm-hmm. just something that I, I enjoy interacting with leaders. I enjoy interacting with founders. I enjoy interacting with entrepreneurs because not only they want the intellectual satisfaction or they want the healing, but also they want to take everything they learn and bring it to reality through their businesses, organizations, right? So I do have a coaching practice where I work directly with founders, entrepreneurs as a way to really help them reinvent themselves to create and scale their purpose-driven companies. So that's something that just really juice me up, that really uh, fulfills me, right? Mm -hmm. And then I also have a podcast called Noble Warrior where uh, we entrepreneurs interact with each other to inquire what it takes to create and build and scale purpose-driven companies. I also have, uh, I'm actually in the middle of developing a medical device. So that's also been exciting as well to work with innovators in all different realms, Mm -hmm. in different uh, disciplines, designers, engineers, a supply chain, you know, just all different kinds of people to really bring this medical uh, device to address Mm COVID-driven issues for our frontline uh, healthcare workers. I love that. Now, uh, so elevating the consciousness of, of leaders, which is, which is awesome. And because also, like, as you're talking about, um, you know, how you became the head of culture the other place, I mean, that was, you know, starting there, starting there, um, we were the, I bumped the mic. Um, and so starting there, um, you started elevating consciousness of leaders and going through that whole process. Um, is, you, know, you, you can you you resonate with that passion. What do you have like a holy grail of like what you want to do with with yourself, with you collecting knowledge, with you elevating the 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 the, the wisdom uh, consciousness of other leaders? Is there an end game to this? Yeah, it's an excellent question. Um, uh born and trained in the Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. So during my younger days, is very outcome driven. My life would turn out when I get the straight A's, when I graduated from college, when I ad- attain my advanced degrees, when I you know, have certain money, when I have certain ex-girlfriends uh, or wife or you know, kids and, and things like that. And where I'm at right now is actually very process driven. So it's more about enjoying what I'm doing right here and now. So uh, I'm enjoying our conversation on your podcast. This is something that really, um, really uh, fulfills me. So I hold my vision very loosely. I have a good idea, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of lifestyle, in terms of the kind of people I want to impact. But the reality is that I believe is is that it's so uh, arrogant almost for me to predict what my life is going to be like two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. I know what that experience is. So I'm really more about uh, clarifying what that experience is like, rather than the outer reality, the the, the vehicle that's going to take me there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it, what it sounded like you said was around you don't know the destination, you're enjoying the journey, and you're just more focused on what can I do in this current car that I'm in to make a better car. And I'm, I'm just focused on, I'm not necessarily focused on the destination. I know where I want to go and I'm, I'm pointing in that direction, but I'm mostly, what can I do in this, in this meat vehicle that I drive in my body all day long to kind of get this to where, get this to be the best vehicle possible so I can prepare for all the bumps and, you know, things ahead. Yeah, to, to, to maintain the, mm-hmm. be, the, the, my vehicle to the best of my ability and to enjoy driving this vehicle. Mm. Right. So I have an outcome, not, not to, so let's use that as an analogy. I'm clear about what my North Star is. Mm-hmm. I know what my experience of driving towards the North Star is, but I'm not attached to the left turn, right turn, uh, or the milestones of getting to that destination per se. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a, yeah, they said, um, I think it was like Van Halen or somebody. Uh, he would like practice all night, every night, whatever. They'd do a ton of practice. And then and then they'd go and play and they'd freestyle. They call it tight but loose, right? You like mm-hmm. you got the, you got this in, but then when you're in the field, you just kind of where, where it goes and where it takes you. It was super mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, because I think that... So here's my uh, story. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very attached to becoming a PhD scientist or engineer. Mm-hmm. And whatever it takes, even though I was miserable the entire way from, you know, high school <laughs> students to getting the bachelor's to the master's to, to ultimately the PhD. And then, and then ultimately the director of the University of California mm-hmm. uh, research system. I was miserable the entire way, right? So I think having to hold it too tightly, to be so attached to what that left turn, right turn milestone look like, it doesn't actually empower us to enjoy the, this life journey. So let me actually share one other thing with you. Mm-hmm. A lot of the clients that I work with are extremely successful. And they're millions of dollars in the bank. They have been on magazine covers, you know, received tons of accolades from their friends and people they work with. But in private, they told me they're miserable because they realize they have achieved an outcome that they wanted, their egoic mind wanted, but it wasn't aligned with who they really are. So that actually, to me, uh, not a better or worse, just a journey, right? It's, a, it's one part of the, their life journey. So that's why I encourage all my clients to really just check in with themselves over and over again. What is it that they want? What aligns with their highest values? And then use that as clues to design what's next for them. Yeah, so some people are so focused on that destination. They're miserable on the way, and then they get there, and then they're miserable. And now they got to figure out how to not be miserable once they get to the... They think that the destination is going to make them happy, but it, it ultimately doesn't make them happy. It just makes them... And then you have to, then they have to go reset the clock and go, oh, okay, now... Now what? Now what? Now, now I have millions of dollars in the bank, now I'm married, <laughs> now I have kids. And it's always the next thing 
Yeah. And then forget to really enjoy every step of the journey. Yeah, it's, it sounds like they're perpetually like postponing their happiness and their and enjoyment mm-hmm. of life. Versus you're like, you know what? I have a direction. I know where I'm going, but I'm enjoy the 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 trip along the way. That's exactly. super cool. That'd be. Totally. It sounds like. I mean, um, you know, one last question here before we wrap up here um, is, um, I mean, what message would you give to a young adventurer, a young hero starting out on this journey? You know, they they you know they they want to grow, they want to evolve, they want to transform, they want to they you know they want to do this, but they they. They have no idea on how to get started and, and you know you know what is even the path for them yeah i would say take both an inside out approach as well as an outside in approach as you create the life that you really want know thyself is such an easy phrase but it's a lifetime journey right mm-hmm. so the more you can um articulate and clarify for yourself what is it that you want along the way then you can navigate left turn right turn u-turn of ultimately what is it that you really want because i think it's uh, i think it was tony robbins who said um, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure mm-hmm. and i think that is a really simple phrase to say but um, he has worked with so many people who experience success uh, material success, but was miserable completely. I think as you go through your own journey, entrepreneurial journey, reflect upon what is it that you really want from the inside out, and then um, and then take outside in approach, right? So you can test different things, try different things, and then really just uh, reflect back on what is it that I want, giving this data. What is it that I want, giving that data. What is it that I want? Giving, dating this person. What is it that I want? Starting this company, right? The more you reflect upon that, the more you can navigate what is it that you truly want at this mm-hmm. given moment of your life. That's nice. So it's, it's just and, like... Oh, sorry, one last thing yeah, I'll say. And with that, even, so even though it sounds really laborious or uh, man, it takes a lot of work, but to me, the most successful, the most uh, insightful, the wisest entrepreneur that I know uh, create results very, very quickly in the world because they know where they're at, they know where they want to go, and they drive towards that, mm-hmm. right? That's to me, is the most effective, the most efficient method to create the life that you really want. Uh, yeah, so that... The- in order for you to get to where you want to go, you have to know where you're at and who you are. And so you need to kind of constantly test inwards and outwards and say, okay, this is actually where I'm at and this is who I am and this is what I want. And so you have this kind of this parallel of understanding where you're at, what you got, what you got and also by understanding yourself and what you like and what, what brings you joy and what can bring you joy, you can kind of navigate along the roadmap, you know, to, to get there. That's, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, thank and, you. And I would say one last thing is that and if you don't, if you're miserable, that's fine too, because that's part of your journey. Just, uh, <laughs> just know that, hey, I went down one path and this journey, this, this, this uh, travel journey, I really don't like it, then great. Then you can pivot, right? Make a left turn, make a right turn, make a U-turn. Results. And, then, and ultimately create the result that you want. Because this life, this precious life that we have, is not over until you say it's over. So what an opportunity, what a blessing. 
right? Yeah, sure, brother. If people want to find you, how do they reach out to you? How do they get a hold of you? I'm pretty easy to find. I would say uh, a great place to get an idea of who I am is actually go to noblewarrior.com forward slash group, noblewarrior.com forward slash group. That's where you know we really dive in deeper around what it takes to be a purpose-driven entrepreneur, um, how do we actually unpack the mind, body, heart, and spirit. Uh, we talk a, a number of things that we have addressed here on this podcast. Love it. Love it. Thank you, CK. I really appreciate your time. This is awesome as always, and I, and I look forward to more, my brother. Absolutely. It's been fun. Thank right. you. Thanks, CK. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback on how to improve the podcast, I would cherish that. Please give me an email or shout out at Dylan at heroesofreality.com. That's D Y L A N at heroesofreality.com. Stay strong, young adventures. Until next time.